Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Jeremy Knopf. Jeremy's the first publicist I've actually ever had on here. And you hear a little bit about how we started to get together and, and get to know each other. And he's just been a great connector. The guy knows everybody. And if he doesn't know that person, he knows somebody who knows that person. And in an area where people are trying to build an influence, build a brand, just get themselves out there and not just waste their time posting or trying to get some authority or you don't know what the difference is anymore between somebody who's just hitting your spam box on Instagram saying they can get you featured somewhere versus somebody who's actually getting eyes and ears on them. There's a lot of things that I just didn't even know that he is an expert in. So amazing story. Marine overcame incredible obstacles in life, health issues, business issues. And uh, he's used it to rise to the occasion and just retrain himself and rebrand himself. And now he's helping other people do the same thing. So if you want more eyes on you, you want more clients and you want to make more money, this is the guy and a very interesting and different type of guest and topic. So I was excited to have him on here. I couldn't even get through a fraction of the questions I had. So thankfully he does have a mastermind and a book coming out that you guys can learn from and uh, and participate in. So definitely check the show notes for all the ways to connect with his media company, connect with his public relations company, connect with his mastermind, and definitely check out his book. All those links are live in the show notes. And of course, if you go to nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, you can continue to support this podcast. And the only fee is to please subscribe. So it takes two seconds, nicknick.com slash links, L-A-N-K-S. This podcast is available everywhere. If you could just take 30 seconds and subscribe to it, wherever you get your podcast, you'll see all the links through it right there on nicknick.com slash links. And as well as follow us on social media. So whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which we're not huge active on, but LinkedIn, Insta, whatever it might be, even YouTube, follow. And when I post videos and clips from this podcast, the way we continue to get amazing guests on like Jeremy himself is so he knows you guys are seeing it and appreciate it. So like the post, share the post, tag a friend of the post, give a little fist bump, a little thumbs up, a little A-OK, whatever it might be just to interact and then we can start to work those algorithms, which are a massive, massive deal. So thank you so much for Jeremy for coming on. And really the big thing here is I want to do real estate with you, especially here. We're hitting Q1 2024. Let's do some deals together. If you want to buy properties, if you want to sell properties, or if you want to partner on some level and you're not even sure how, let's start that conversation. DM the word real estate to any of my social media platforms and my uh, my my assistant should be able to see that. And my assistant should be able to see that and send it over to me to start that conversation and have me reach out. Or you can DM me directly through a text message at 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733. And we can sort all that out. We can have that conversation. If you text me directly the words real estate there, we can get that going. And of course, if you want a free checklist, nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets is a way to get a free checklist for all of your uh, needs that you would need to bring more value to your buyers. If you're a real estate agent, real estate wholesaler. And when you're looking at the links here, I definitely have a link for you to connect with Jeremy. So if an easier way to do that, check the link in the show notes for all the ways to connect with Spartan Media through the A-Game podcast. And he'll make sure he takes extra special attention and care of you because you came through here. So thank you guys so much 
for listening, for supporting the podcast. And thank you so much to my buddy Jeremy for not only being a fantastic guest, but also uh, he's been a great friend and a great connector over the last few months. So thank him. Thank you. A Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Have a fantastic day. All right, my guest today is an entrepreneur, an author, a digital marketer, and a U.S. Marine veteran who has a black belt in public relations. He is the founder of Spartan Media. He is known as the guy who gets people into media, helping more clients make more money. Being no stranger to obstacles, he found himself in a major health crisis, fighting an autoimmune illness that almost killed him and put him out of commission for two years. He used his grit he developed in life through his experiences as being a badass Marine, as well as a former wrestler, to not only recover, but to thrive and rebuild into the entrepreneur and master connector today that he has become standing in front of us. He has a new book coming out and is truly one of a kind as he uses the lessons he's learned not only in business, but in life to help save and inspire countless veterans suffering from depression and PTSD to navigate the volatile waters and find peace and hope. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a family mastermind brother and a friend of mine. And today he is currently cooking up many opportunities, connections, and connections throughout his real estate CEO mastermind. And we're keeping a close lookout for his upcoming book, The Public Relations Manifesto. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, my buddy, Jeremy Knopf. Damn, brother. After an intro like that, man, I don't think we can get much better. Let's just call it a wrap. <laughs> well, you, you can't bring A game guests and have a B game intro there, even though I tripped over a little bit on the way there. We got it. We found we found the light at the end of the tunnel there. We did. We did. I I love that, and I love your uh, your radio voice, man. You've got that classic DJ style there. That's good stuff. Oh, thank thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Dude, so you um you're a guy who you're you're interesting because before I kind of knew who you are, or what you did you tend to always catch people's eyes. Like right away, I was like, man, that guy looks interesting. I wonder what he does. And then you kind of kept popping up everywhere. And then more and more people were like, do you know Jeremy Knopf? Do you know Jeremy Knopf? And they'd be like, I was like, oh, that, oh, okay. So, and then, uh, so I feel like you you naturally capture people's interests and stuff, which obviously plays really well into what you do. But for maybe yeah. people who are not 100% familiar with you yet, can you give a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? Absolutely, Nick. So the short version is, you know, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I started my first business uh, that crashed epically and uh, I lost everything and had to start over. After that, I kind of bounced around for a little bit. And then uh, I eventually started my next agency, which I ran for, God, I don't even know how long it was. It was quite a while until I was hit by that health crisis that you mentioned in the intro. And from there, I spent about two years on my deathbed while the business just kind of withered away. Uh, and we burned through all of our money just trying to keep me alive. And as I kind of got off the deathbed, still sick, mind you, right? It's not like, hey, everything's great. Uh, I'm still sick, but we're out of money. So in order to continue treatment, I've got to get out there and do something, right? Rebuild my life. And in doing that, I leveraged public relations. And I had kind of a unique approach to it. So I started by writing about uh, various industry topics on my own site. Then I leveraged that up to trade publications. Then I leveraged that up to pitch for me to be on podcasts and TV and other outlets. And it was at that point that I realized like, this is something that everybody needs. There's so many killer entrepreneurs out there. I mean, you and I know so many who are absolutely killing it and they don't have the exposure that they deserve. They don't have the recognition or the authority status because there's so many people out there who are great at promoting themselves, even though they suck at delivering the, the, the work to the clients, right? So 
I wanted to help to elevate those people and help to drown out some of those, let's call them self-promotional douches who don't quite deliver on their promises, right? I wanted to kind of switch up that dynamic and help the good people out there get achieve more, you know, have a greater impact, all of this by getting them featured in the media and then leveraging that publicity in the same way that I did to rebuild my own life. I think that's incredible, man. And speaking of like rebuilding, obviously the a big undertone of this podcast is people who overcome tough things to get, come out on top and achieve really great results. So obstacles, obviously, you're no stranger to, but you had an interesting one where I'd like to backtrack to the illness you have because I, I always think it's a, and I, and I dealt with this a little bit and I actually thought of you the other day too, because I remember Rob Swanson was talking about how he was going through this illness and he just felt like a shell of himself and he couldn't figure out what it was. And then none of the doctors could figure it out either. And I, and I always use that analogy of the guy who graduated last in medical school is still called the doctor. And as I get older, I, I, I tend to see that they, they don't really look to solve the problem. And there's a lot of things that you walk in and they just want to give you a pill and it's not really addressing stuff. So what was it that made you start to realize that there was even something wrong? And then how did you start to go through that process to identify the problem so you could kick its ass? That's a great question, Nick. And, you know, identifying that there was a problem was not difficult because it was so like mind-blowingly apparent once it happened, right? So in my case, we didn't know this in the beginning. We later found out that it, it came from a combination of a re reaction to a medication while I was facing exposure to toxic mold. Um, there's a couple of other people in our circle who have gone through the same thing um, to maybe a different degree of intensity. But once that happened, the impact that that had on me and my body is essentially like soul crushing pain from head to toe, from skin down to bone. And it felt like a combination of being burned and electrocuted at the same time. And it was at a level of pain that, uh, you know, morphine didn't even touch, right? So, you know, to put that in context, I went into the hospital during this time a few different times for kidney stones. Everyone I know who's had kidney stones uh, says it's the worst pain they've ever had in their life. Uh, for me, that was the first time I had it. Uh, I've even had some of my female friends tell me that it was comparable to childbirth. Well, I went into the hospital for the kidney stones and they gave me morphine, two doses to be precise. And that pretty much killed the pain from the kidney stones almost entirely, but it didn't even take the edge off this other stuff. So there was no question that something was wrong and it was a very big thing. We just didn't know what it was yet. And this was incredibly frustrating for me because, you know, like you talked about with with uh, Swanson's story, the doctors were like, oh, well, uh, it, you don't really have a problem. You, you, you're just having a panic attack. You're, you're anxious right now. I'm like, no, that's not what it is. And, you know, that's kind of the thing that sucks is when you're put into a situation where the people who are supposed to be experts, the people who are supposed to be there to solve your problem, when they don't really care, you're kind of left in a bad situation, right? Now, in my case, I, you know, I don't, you and I have talked about some of the, uh, you know, like religion and universe and all this stuff. I, for the listeners, I, I don't care whether you believe in a religion or just karma or whatever, but like in my situation, I feel like everything just kind of happened for a reason. And Nick, you and I have talked about my doctor who's been with me since the beginning of this uh, experience. Uh, she actually wasn't even supposed to be there. She came in to replace my former doctor who got fired 
like with no warning, no notice, because she screwed up in in prescribing what she was prescribing. So this would have never happened if she wasn't there. But the person who then came to replace her, you could not have asked for a, a more fitting person, right? She, I cannot remember whether it was two cancers and an autoimmune or, or two autoimmunes and a cancer, but this was, this was her experience prior to becoming a doctor. And she went through the same thing that I have. She went through the same thing that so many other people have where the doctors just said, well, look, this is just your life. It's going to suck. Just get used to it. And she was like, mm, no, that's not how it's going to work. And so she went and basically like just committed to becoming a doctor. And, you know, the level of empathy that she had was off the charts, first of all, but then the level of knowledge that she had, because I, I was very much a researcher. And so I would be researching something into this problem because clearly 99.9% .9 of the doctors weren't giving me any, any useful answers. So what do we do? We go into solution mode and find the damn answer ourselves. And so, you know, her and I developed a friendship fairly quickly and I would, you know, text her or call her and I would be like, hey, I found this, you know, paper, this research paper on NIH.gov from, you know, so-and-so, Bob Smith, whatever. I was like, and it talks about X, Y, Z. And, and I think maybe that applies to me and what I'm going through because of this and da, da, da. And Nick, off the top of her head, she would be like, oh, well, that's a great study. But then if you look at the footnotes, it should also reference... Uh, this by so-and-so and that by this other guy and this by this person. And then, so these are good, but here's the flaws of this one. And here's what's good about that one. And da, 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 and just everything she knew off the top of her head. So like, I could not have walked into a better situation in the situation that I had. Like she knew all of this stuff inside and out. She understood the frustration that I was going through. Um, but having her was a huge asset. But also the other side of that is I've overcome a lot and I've overcome a lot because I put myself in situations where I was forced to. It wasn't just necessarily that a whole bunch of bad things just happened for no reason. I also intentionally kind of tested myself throughout the years, right? Um, and I think that really had a huge impact because while I had never experienced anything at this level of intensity, and that's saying a lot coming from a Marine veteran, uh, I... I knew that my track record at that point of overcoming some pretty horrendous things was 100%. So I was better prepared in that situation than, than many people would be. The other part of it was finding something useful, finding something to be grateful for, a silver lining in that shitty situation. Um, when I was going through this, I got to a point where well, I was in a very dark place. We'll we'll put it there. And not that I wanted to die. I certainly didn't. But walking around the house in that level of pain 24-7, uh, you go to dark places pretty quickly. And, you know, wouldn't surprise anyone to know I've got lots of guns all over the house. And I would be walking around the house and see one of them. And not that I wanted to die, but the thought would certainly cross my mind. Well, if I was going to go, that would certainly be an easy way out, you know? And I had these thoughts a bit more than I was comfortable with. And that was when I called a friend of mine and I was like, look, we're not at a place where we need to be worried, but I may be calling you in the near future to ask you to come just 
you know, store these guns at your house for a little bit. I had disassembled everything, unloaded everything, tossed it into a giant uh, duffel bag. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, man. Just say the word and I'll be over there, pick it up. And it was either later that afternoon or the next day. One of the, one of the toughest Marines that I served with took his life. And for me, that was such an eye-opener because up to that point, I always felt like, you know, it, anyone who gets to that point, it's just, that's weakness, right? You're you're weak, you're a coward, you're afraid to take that path. But here I was, and I knew how tough I was and what I've overcome and, and the things that I had been through, and I'm having these thoughts. And then, you know, here's Todd, absolute badass, you know, He's the Marine that other Marines look up to. And he did it. He took his life. And I'm like, shit, like my perspective on this has completely changed. I mean, this can happen to anyone. And there's a, an interesting stat related to this that I don't think most people are aware of. And the number has fluctuated a bit. But um, the current number that we're, we're being told is that every single day, 17 veterans take their life. Now, I've heard 22 a day uh, in the past. I don't know if it's actually gone down or if that number was incorrect the first time around, but it's an astronomical number. And what this then led me to do was I started getting very vocal, very outspoken about what I was going through and not just, you know, oh, here, woe is me. Here's all the problems I have. It was, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's how it's affecting me. Here's what I'm, you know, thinking, feeling, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but here's what I'm doing to try and fix the problem. Here's how I'm keeping my mindset right. Here's how I'm, uh, you know, seeking support from friends, etc. And I, the the plan was to basically show other people, hey, you're not alone. Like a lot of people have these thoughts, either from time to time, or for some people, it's all the time. So I wanted to show people that a, they're not alone in what they're going through and that people actually give a shit about them and want them around. Um, but then I also was just so brutally open and transparent with everything about me and the situation and how I was feeling and how I was reacting to it um, to just show people that everything that they're going through in that kind of situation is completely normal. So, you know, to kind of inspire them to A, push through, but also B, get the help that they need. And uh, that was the silver lining that I took out of this. And that's something that not only helped a lot of people because there is, there's two categories here. There's the people that I know that I've saved from suicide because of this. And I know that because they specifically told me that. Um, and then there's the other group of people that I've impacted in some way to some level, but I don't know because they haven't explicitly said you know, exactly what the impact was. Um, I'll never disclose what the what the actual number is, but I mean, at this point, I've been counseling God knows how many veterans uh, every year. Uh, you know, everyone in my circle knew that if someone was struggling, they could pass somebody my phone number and, and we could talk. Um, but that really, I found was key because that also helped me to kind of pull through some of my challenges, right? So you're having a particular bad, particularly bad day, you know, maybe the pain's higher than usual and your, your energy levels are absolutely tanked and, uh, you know, you're 
feeling shitty. So you're snapping at people. Um, focusing on something other than yourself, something bigger than yourself is a huge component of pulling through these challenges. You know, just like in the military, you're out there on a mission. It's not about you. It's not about, oh, you're uncomfortable. You're tired. You're hot. You're wet, you know, but if you don't get your ass up there, then your brothers are going to die. So you have to put your discomfort out of the, out of the picture and focus on the mission. And that's the same way that I look at finding the silver lining in any bad situation um, and then focusing on something bigger than yourself to pull you through those particularly challenging times. I think that's incredible, man. And obviously, uh, one of my buddies, Tim Khalees, said there's opportunity and volatility. I've been saying that a lot lately, but you use that as a, as a way to reinvent yourself. So talk about the inspiration and how the silver lining that came out of that for where you are today. Um, in what context are we talking about here? It seems like you, because the other business kind of went by the wayside, right? So it helped you with the the military side of it. But then how did that piggyback into now you're like going, you know what? This is all okay because I'm going to use these ashes to rebuild this PR agency. Yeah. So prior to this happening, I ran Spartan as a full service agency. So we did all the things you'd expect from an agency, web design, social media, SEO, you name it, everything across the board. Once we identified that this was a huge need and that, you know, we needed to help people who are legitimate experts to kind of drown out the, the, the really loud self-promoters who aren't real good. Um, once we made that decision, we just pivoted to focusing entirely on PR. Um, we still do kind of bits and pieces of some of those other things, but it's as part of a PR campaign. It really just comes down to figuring out exactly what your mission is, and then you strip away anything that doesn't directly align with that. And once we made that decision, it was pretty simple, right? Like, yes, we can still do websites, but is there any value in trying a whole bunch of random things or is it better to really focus on something? And for me, I found that it was more valuable to focus on that one thing and just absolutely crush it. So that was the that was how we rolled that out. Once we pivoted to that, we I mean we had a complete rebrand. Um, you know everything from content to design to you know presentations. Like we rebranded everything, and just kind of rolled out from there and haven't looked back since. I love that man, and you're you're definitely the first uh, PR guy I've had on here. Period. So watching what you've done, I've been trying to educate myself and learn a little bit and everything's like an onion. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I put myself out there on social media and then you realize how like you really have to find the experts in this stuff. So starting with just the principles of what is it, talk about what do public relations, what, what is a publicist? What do you guys do? Like, what's the essence of it? Yeah. yeah so that's a great question, Nick. And it, it's an area that a lot of people seem to have a lot of confusion around, right? <laughs> so I, I can't tell you how many times I talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, but how many sales are we going to get from this? It was like, well, I mean, there's literally no way to answer that, but that's the wrong way to look at it. So a lot of people use various aspects of advertising and marketing all interchangeably, right? Oh, well, it's getting in front of people, then that's, that's all marketing. And in a sense, that's correct, but to be more accurate, it's really not. So PR... Let's talk, well, let's start by talking about why, why this matters in the first place. So we want to get featured in the media because A, you do get some exposure from it. 
the exposure is actually probably the smallest part of the benefit that you're getting from this. It's what you then do with the exposure afterwards, or what you do with the publicity rather afterwards. So let's talk about why that actually matters in the first place. So if you wanted to get featured somewhere, whatever it is, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., you're not getting featured because they've got a lot of eyeballs, although that is a factor. The reason you're trying to get featured is because there's a barrier to entry there. Obviously, not everybody can be featured. Even if even if entrepreneur wanted to feature every entrepreneur out there, it's not possible. There's too many entrepreneurs. There's only so much space. Uh, and even if we're talking about digital. So that barrier to entry means they get their pick of the best of the best. Everybody else knows that too. So if they see you featured in Entrepreneur or Inc. or Fast Company, then they are going to assume, rightfully so, that you've been vetted. So because you've been vetted, you're now seen as more authoritative. So it's not just about the exposure. It's about how that exposure then positions you. So if you were to write the same article on your blog, it wouldn't have anywhere near the impact that a journalist writing about you or, or citing your opinion on a topic, um, that is going to carry serious weight, whereas anything you say, less so, right? So there's an old saying, and I'll, I'll probably botch the exact wording of it, but it's like, so advertising is what you say about yourself or about your company. Public relations is what others say about you or about your company, right? That's good. So it, like, you can talk all day long about how awesome you are, you know, the great features and benefits, uh, the, the, the results that you create for your clients, et cetera. But look, everybody's going to take that with a grain of salt. If I got up here talking about how awesome we were, it wouldn't mean a damn thing. But when a third party says that, it's a very different situation. And what that does is it allows you to kind of shortcut through part of the sales process. You know, typically if we're, if we're selling our services, uh, whether it's our products, either way, um, we have to convince the prospect that we're qualified to solve their problem. On the other hand, if let's say you're featured in the media as an expert at, in your case, real estate, <clears throat> now you don't have to convince them. You don't have to go through all that uh, convincing them that you're qualified and you know what you're talking about. Um, all of this, you don't have to spend as much time building trust. At that point, you can really get down to the, the nuts and bolts of the problem and find out if they're a good fit for you. It kind of changes the power dynamic in that relationship. And it, it's not so much that it takes away power from, from the potential clients. It's more a matter of it empowers you as the professional to more effectively serve them because now you're not wasting a bunch of time with little trivial stuff. Um, they're already coming in, seeing you as the authority. So you can come in, really get to the heart of their problem a lot better and a lot more quickly, and then start talking through solutions. And if they're serious, then they can take action sooner. If they're not serious, you know, if they're just tire kickers, well, it doesn't really matter what you do because they're not going to make a move anyway. But it really comes down to getting that authority status. And that comes from first getting featured, but then taking that publicity and using it in all of your marketing. 
So, you know, if you're featured in a piece of publicity, you've got that one piece, which, you know, most people will take that link and go share it on social media. You know, we've all seen the posts. I'm honored to share my blah, 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 you know, <laughs> which is all fine and good, but you can then take from that piece of publicity. Let's say you, whether it was you wrote an article or you were featured, right? And they're, they're putting your quotes in there. There's going to be a bunch of pieces of, of things that you said that could be pulled out of there and turned into other content. Um, so, you know, we did something for, for Brad not too long ago where we landed him his first column, first of all, and then we went into that content, extracted, I think it was 11 different quotes of just profound things that he said. And we then created a series of uh, four quote graphic templates where it's four different styles. And then we took each of those 11 quotes and dropped them into those templates. So now here he is with this one piece of content. We've now turned it into 44 pieces of content that could be shared on social media. Uh, and that's only scratching the surface. You can also then create video content out of it. You can create all kinds of additional posts. There's so many different ways you can chop this up. And if you get just a small library of this content, you could share something every single day and nobody would ever see the same content twice for God, a really long time, so long that they would not remember having seen it in the first place. So that's where you get the real impact. It's you earn the publicity first, then you leverage it in your marketing. And you should, with a few pieces of publicity, you should be able to have a pretty steady stream of killer content on social media and not just social, right? Because you can also use this in your email marketing. You can use this when you're speaking on stage, when you're having a face-to-face -face conversation, right? There's so many different ways to use it. And that is what then creates that authority status. Because if it's just, if you're just relying on it being published, you're only going to see a tiny, tiny amount of exposure there. But if you then start using that in social media and it starts to train the algorithms and it starts to get people to expect to see your content, they start looking for you then that's where the game-changing uh, aspect of this comes into play. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's excellent, man. It's such a, it's such an interesting world because it's so different than what I'm used to, but I know I'm like on the real estate side, when I talk to people, I can tell pretty quick if they are legitimate or not, you know, like the level of it is the same thing. Jiu-jitsu. I talk to you for two minutes. I'm going to know whether or not you're legitimate or not. I don't really know that on this side of it. So I know that there's a lot of people out there. It reminds me almost like uh, like PPC. When I talk to a PPC person, the only way I really know if they're any good is if I give them 10 grand and they make me money. You know what I mean? Like I, I have no idea. Right. So when you talked about the fact that there are a lot of people out there, because I get these stupid like uh, spam messages all the time, 
about like how this VA is going to get me featured all over the world for three ninety nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So what are some red flags or some questions to ask to make sure that you're working with a legitimate PR company? Oh, I love that question. God. And there's so many. Um, this is one of those industries where there's some great people out there, but there's also some, let's be honest, scumbags. Uh, and a lot of them are selling these, these, what I'll call kind of bullshit pieces. Um, you know, they'll send out the spam emails or the spam DMs saying, oh, we'll get you featured everywhere for, you know, $200, $300, whatever it is. Um, typically what, what they're doing in that case is they're just putting out a press release and then it gets syndicated everywhere. Um, but those syndications don't really mean anything. Nobody really sees a press release. So if you put it out there, sure, it's going to be published on a bunch of websites, but nobody's really going and looking at that. They're not generally going to, that's not going to result in real organic coverage most of the time. Um, what I have found is the people who take advantage of that particular type of service, uh, they're shortcut seekers and they're really not committed to doing things right. Case in point, I, I had a client we had to let go a year or two ago. Uh, I think you and I have talked about him before. I'm not going to say his name here though, <laughs> but he was, uh, you know, he was the, your classic engineer type. He believed he knew everything, not just about his business, but literally every business in the world. And he really liked to argue about how to do things. And I remember he came to me one day, we were like a month or two into an organic PR campaign. And he comes to me and he says, hey, I want to do a press release. And I was like, okay, well, you know, the last time we talked, which was last week, uh, there wasn't really anything newsworthy going on in your business that would justify a press release. So is there something new that's happened that I'm not aware of yet? And he's like, well, I was accepted into the Forbes Council. And I was like, oh my God, like that is not newsworthy. If, you know, if your credit card has, well, I don't even know what the, the price is these days. If your credit card has enough room for Forbes to run their, their fee, you're going to write for, for the Forbes Council. Now, it's important to note that the Forbes Council doesn't actually display on Forbes' real website. It displays on a private area that you can only see if you go directly to those articles. So it's essentially useless uh, from that perspective. But the the other little uh, pitfall here is most people don't know this because and they see the Forbes Council as a, a shortcut in. Well, I'll just go pay this fee and I'll go write for Forbes. Um, aside from the fact that nobody will see it, the Forbes Council is actually run by a third-party company. It's not run by Forbes. And that company, in their wisdom, which I have to say is absolutely brilliant, they put a non-compete in place. So if you ever write for the Forbes Council, you can never, again, in perpetuity, write for the actual Forbes. So you're basically selling yourself short for some quick term, uh, for some short-term gains, potential gains, even not even you know nothing guaranteed, but. Obviously, I told him, I was like, look, this is not newsworthy. If your credit card clears, you can write for Forbes in the Forbes Council. I was like, but the bigger issue here is if you put out a press release announcing that you've been accepted into the Forbes Council, yes, maybe your mom will be proud, but every journalist is going to think you're an idiot because they know how the game works. 
And so what you're doing by by doing that is you're telling them your your livelihood is just silly nothingness and uh, I'm just going to do whatever I want and basically belittle your industry uh, for for my own short-term gains. So, you know, I told him, look, they're going to think you're stupid if you do this. It's going to hurt your chances of getting featured in real media um, and it's a waste of time and energy. Well, he didn't like to listen. And so he went and did it on his own without my knowledge. I found out a few weeks later. So he and I were on an interview with a journalist from US News. And as we're going through and she's interviewing him, I'm just kind of in the background in case anything goes wrong. Um, she's interviewing him and then there's this pause and she says, I noticed you've got, uh, you're featured in here and here and here and here. She's like, do you happen to have links to those articles? Maybe I can find something in there that I can use as background material for this article. And as soon as she said that, I knew I knew what had happened. And he immediately started stuttering and stammering. And so I jumped in to try and, you know, save the day as much as could be saved anyway. And I was like, look, um, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what what's going on here, but why don't you uh, give me a chance to go figure out what's going on here, and then I'll circle back with you. And she's like, yeah, she's like, and in the process, he starts explaining to her what had happened, right? He's like, oh, well, I put out a press release on my own and and da, da, da. And she's like, yeah, that's not featured. That's syndicated. And they're two very different things. She was like, look, if my boss found out that I featured you after this, she's like, I wouldn't have a job. Ooh. And so he lost that feature and got blacklisted at a few different outlets because she wrote for US News. She also wrote for Wall Street Journal and New York Times. So he's now essentially blacklisted at these major media outlets because he wanted to act in a way that, let's say, putting it diplomatically was less than authentic and less than honest. Very unfortunate situations, but that's the way it goes, man. Everybody thinks they know better. And, the, you know, it, it's I, I think of it sometimes because I was in the boat where when I was first starting out in this business, I almost wanted to do things to prove my mentors wrong. And now I realize like how silly that is. And I just know <laughs> color within the lines because that's where, you know, they, they give you a recipe that works. That's what you're paying these people for. And then you try and reinvent the wheel and it just winds up not getting you the same results. So good information, man. And when, when you talk about that now, it's such a different type of world. Like I, I know every other industry has been changed, but I, I think it was Nicola Spinoza. She was telling me how, you know, she's had a, a TV show and her kids didn't care. And then one day her kids came home and were like, mom, you're famous. I had no idea. And she's like, what are you talking about? You knew about the show. They go, no, no, no. Our friends at school saw how many people watch you on YouTube. Like the world's changed <laughs> where like the YouTube stuff has yeah. become like the, the, the social media influencer is now the new celebrity. Like that's the best way to build a brand. Like people don't almost care about the, the movie star anymore. Like you can be that. So I feel like you provide this service where, there's obviously more to it than just putting yourself out there on social media or everybody's brands would be killing it. So I'm interested mm -hmm. in how is, how does the industry as a whole change and what kind of technologies or tools are coming around to help really put somebody out there? Like to take myself as the example, the amount of stuff I put out there on a daily and weekly basis with people who, I mean, it's not about me. Like the guests are fantastic. The information's incredible. Like the people are so great. And I'm like, how is this not catching on more? And then I post a picture of like my dog or something and it gets like all these hits. And I'm like, the thing that can make you all this money, three people like the dog piece. Got... So 
it's obviously there's more to it. There's something to to actually knowing what you do and understanding that recipe. So talk a little mm -hmm. bit about the difference between just somebody posting on social media trying to build a brand and somebody like you who does it as a professional really gets the results. Yeah. So, you know, to your point of, you know, what's changed in the industry, let's start there. The industry has changed dramatically. Um, and that has changed how PR and, you know, social media, all of the things that kind of play a role in PR, um, it's changed how they need to be executed. So as far as what's changed, publications, media outlets are facing more challenges than ever. Um, we keep seeing media outlets either going out of business or laying people off. Um, the journalists who are there are being asked to work harder and harder and harder. Um, and in a lot of cases, they're not really being paid great. So they're kind of under this pressure to create content that's going to drive a lot of visitors to the outlets that they that they work for, whether it be a digital article or a TV segment or whatever. Um, so they're really under the gun. And that's why we see so much of this garbage content that's just like clickbaity trash, you know, designed to latch onto our, our emotions, right? Get us angry about something or get us fearful of something. Um, <clears throat> so they are they are kind of put in a bad situation where they're having to come up with a lot of content and often not the kind of content that they want to create or not the kind of content that most of us want to consume for that matter. But that's the nature of the beast. Now, part of the solution here, of course, is just being really useful for them, right? If you're around and you're you know, engaging on their content and you're sharing information when they need it, uh, you know, first of all, know that you're not always going to get featured no matter how much you help them. But uh, doing that can make you more valuable to them so that some of those times, let's say they ask a question. I had a journalist uh, who was looking for a source on Sunday and I was like, I got you. Uh, connect her with uh, three different people from from our circle. And like only one of them was actually my client, but I'm doing this because it brings value to the journalists and it makes their job easier. So when they're looking for a source, who do you think they reach out to? Me or the publicist that spams them with automated e uh, you know, emails and just says, hey, just following up, just following up, just following up for the next six weeks. Um, you know, so really finding ways to help them and in doing so serve their audience, right? That's where a lot of people get it wrong is they're like, oh, hey, uh, I, you know, you should feature me because I'm awesome and I'm the best and I've done X, Y, Z and this, that, and the other. Nobody cares about that. What they care about is how can the knowledge that you have in your head solve their problem? And when you frame it from that perspective, it completely changes the dynamic and helps to cut through all the noise that's going on in that industry these days. So when you look at it from a perspective of finding ways to help the journalists because of the, the new increased competition and, and challenges that they're facing, uh, coupled with uh, you know really focusing on the value that you're bringing to their audience, that helps you get over a lot of the challenges that we face in the industry today. Um, the other thing is artificial intelligence. So it seems like that could be a really good way to save a lot of time and effort. But from what I've seen, most people who try to use AI in PR have used it in the wrong ways. Uh, <laughs> AI is not quite there 
for the way that most people are trying to use it at this point. Um, I've got certain ways that we use it, which we'll talk about, but the way that you absolutely do not want to use AI in your PR is writing your pitches. Um, what that's going to do is it's going to create garbage that's not really relevant to that journalist. The writing style of the pitch is not going to be very good because, look, AI is marginally effective in terms of writing content. It's not great. Um, but often you end up with something that's incorrect or maybe even offensive or stupid or so many other things that just make it not effective. Where I have found AI to be actually effective in PR, though, is taking off some of that grunt work. So for example, if we were to interview a client for an article that we're going to go straight for them, and we're basically extracting all the information from their brain about that topic, what we do is we'll go, we'll get on Zoom with them, we'll interview them, then we take a transcript of that call, and we put that into ChatGPT, and we tell it to give me an article um, written by the perspective of speaker two, uh, follow this outline. And there, there's obviously a lot of nuance to the prompts that we're putting into, into ChatGPT, but we give it all of the instructions and then it goes through that transcript and pulls that out and frames it so beautifully in a way that, you know, in the past, you could be looking at on the light side, maybe two hours, but usually four to six hours to take a transcript and turn it into an article. And now... We take that transcript, dump it into ChatGPT, and we can have a good starting point for an article in about 30 seconds once we've written the prompt and, and put all the information in. Uh, of course, from there, we have to then go clean it up. There's going to be inaccuracies. There's going to be some things that we have to tweak. And then, of course, we still have to run it by the client for their final approval. But that's one of the ways to use AI in the PR industry that is a smart way, but I would not use it for anything that's, you know, public facing. I wouldn't use it for engaging with journalists. I wouldn't use it for, um, you know, compiling any data without double checking it. Um, but I would definitely use it for handling some of the grunt work. Fantastic answer, man. I know you, you trigger one more thing and then I want to get into the mastermind of the book and stuff. But yeah. when you're taking on these clients, I feel like people are trying to build these brands and obviously public relations and that branding is important. And you mentioned some things not to do. And I thought it was an interesting question because I watch people over the years that now suddenly want to be influencers or real estate gurus or whatever it might be. And they're sitting there trying to attract their clients, but then half their posts are either like ridiculous things that they're posting, dropping racist stuff, sexual stuff, political stuff, like all kinds of things. And I'm like, man, like what? Like that stuff doesn't go away anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's the, yeah. so is there like a, some do's and don'ts or like when you come in, do you have to like go back and like audit their social media? And cause obviously if you're now putting yourself out there, there's a reason why you don't see celebrities sharing a lot of those opinions. You get crucified today with there's never the yeah. right or wrong answer. So I just stay away from all of it. you know? Right. So I have a kind of a, a multifaceted perspective on that. So first of all, yes. Um, everything that you say or have said, it could potentially come back to haunt you in the future. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll just go back and I'll delete my old posts. Nah, there's something called archive.org. It's got everything out there. Like oh, your, cool. <laughs> yeah, your, your posts are out there, even if you delete them. Um, so that's probably the first step for most people. In fact, I talk about this a lot 
uh, in terms of controlling what shows up when somebody searches for you. Um, I, I primarily talk about that around Google, like what shows up in the search results, but you could very easily go into your own social media profile and, and do a search into some of the posts and see, like go put in various political candidates or politicians names and, and see like have, have you talked about this person like are the things something that you would be comfortable with everybody seeing um but i don't know that i would say completely get away from that like if that's a core part of you and you know what you stand for what you're passionate about um it can definitely be a good topic and yes you'll definitely lose some clients but if they don't align with your values do you really want to work with them to begin with you know, for me, the answer is no. I I had a I had a uh, client towards the end of last year, I think it was. Like I've known the guy for years. Um, we had uh, we've been good friends for the longest time, and he had been seeing my work for years. And when he finally went out on his own, he he was a lawyer at a big firm. He left, went out on his own. He's like, I got to launch this thing right. Let's do let's do something together, and we did. And I commented on a particular political issue, and apparently that that hurt his feelings because he doesn't want anyone to have an opinion different than him. Uh, so he and his two partners decided that they did not want to be associated professionally with somebody who didn't share their political views. And I was totally on board with that. If If you feel like you can't do business with someone who doesn't share your views, then yes, we absolutely should part ways. Um, and, and that was a loss that I was comfortable taking. So you will potentially lose business if you're taking a stance on certain things, but that's not always a bad thing, right? That could be a good thing because look, if you and that person have polar opposite views on a thing, that's going to be a really difficult working relationship. You guys are going to be button heads about all kinds of things. So it's not really bad. You just have to make sure that it aligns with your brand and your goals. So one of the things that I look at, and this is this is true of all content. So whether I'm, you know, being featured in the media or whether I'm posting something on social media or I'm talking on stage or whatever, every piece of content is going to fall under one of my what I call my five pillars, right? So um, marketing, particularly public relations, and I'll typically I'll differentiate them a little bit. So I mean, there's marketing. But then there's you know PR more specifically. Social media falls into this as well. Uh, I also talk about overcoming adversity. I talk about veterans' issues. Um, I, I talk about freedom. But yeah, so basically everything that I put out there under my brand, and when I say under my brand, that's anything attached to me. So if I'm going to post something, like it doesn't matter if it's a a page, like let's say it's a company page, or it's my personal profile. Anything that I have that's connected to me and my brand is going to post something under those five uh, core topics, right? Now, a lot of people think, oh, well, that, that just limits me so much and I can't talk about anything fun or things that people are going to really engage with. And first of all, that's nonsense because you can create killer content about some of the most boring, dry topics you can ever imagine and still get tons of engagement if your content is good. Um, the problem is most people are just so scared to offend anyone or so scared to be criticized that they water their content down. They water their message down so much that it, yeah, it doesn't offend anyone. It doesn't turn anyone off, 
but it also doesn't really attract anyone either. And that's, that's a huge mistake. Um, it's really important to remember that if your message really resonates with your ideal audience in a way that's going to turn them into business for you, then it's probably going to turn away a lot of people. And those people often will not be, you know, gentle and nice about it, but that's okay, right? If they're not your target audience, who the hell cares what they think? So it's really important to remember it from that perspective. And you can tie almost anything here. We'll do a little experiment here, you and me. So you can tie almost anything to your five, your five pillars. So we know what mine are. Uh, give me, give me some off the wall topic, and I'll find a way to connect that to one of my one of my core topics, my five pillars. Jujitsu, jujitsu. Okay. So I could write an article about what rolling on a jujitsu mat taught me about adapting to change in the public relations industry, right? And then kind of go on about some match where, you know, whatever happened and what I learned from that and then how that applies to PR. Um, I could take the same topic and, and connect it to overcoming adversity. Um, I could talk to, I could talk from the perspective of, uh, you know, freedom even, uh, you know, well, here's, here's what I learned about, you know, freedom by finding a unique way to break from such and such hold. I don't know what names you guys have for the various moves you have in jujitsu, but something like that would be uh, a potential direction. Uh, and when you think about it from that perspective, not only does that help you in creating your content, but that also helps you in creating your pitches. Because when you can tie things that are going on together to with what you're doing, then that gives the journalist some really good insight as to why your story should matter to their audience, because now you can connect it to what people are already excited about or uh, scared about or angry about or happy about or whatever. And it's what the media is already producing. It's what the content is already out there or being created. And so they already know it's a hit. They know it's a win because everybody's talking about it. So you connect the two of them together and now you're in a much stronger position. Dude, that was so full circle for like going in when I was like a hundred percent clear on like what a publicist does. And now I watched you do it. I'm like, oh, like I, <laughs> I get it now. Now I gotta see what that is. That that's really cool, man. So speaking Thank of being you. able to like frame things in a certain way, I know we're kind of getting tight on time here, but I very much enjoy the mastermind you have going on. So you have the real estate CEO mastermind. I'd love to hear more about how that came together, what you're doing, how you can help people be part of that as well. Yeah, that's a great question, Nick. And thanks for bringing that up. Um Essentially, look, I mean, there's there's a million masterminds out there. We, You and I are members of both, uh, a, a number of them together. But um, I think that there was definitely room for another one. And I took kind of a unique approach to it. Uh, obviously, like any mastermind, we're heavy on the education component, right? We're teaching people the things that they need to know from a marketing perspective, from a financial perspective, from an operations perspective. You know, we've got some absolute geniuses, um, many of the people that, that you and I know, who share their unique expertise. Like, obviously, I'll talk about marketing and public relations and stuff like that in the group. Uh, but we've got people like, you know, um, your friend and mine, uh, Nick Legamaro, comes in and talks about creative financing. And he's got some really unique ways. Or Lori Graymont will come in and talk about how to take what seems like the impossible deal and actually get it across the finish line, which is her superpower. Um, so it, we've got that education component, 
But the other side of this is I'm bringing together the retail and the investing side of the industry to facilitate greater deal flow. So right now, the retail side is getting absolutely hammered. Um, and look, let's be honest, we know most agents can't sell their way out of a paper bag. Um, in fact, as of, I think it was April this year, uh, NAR reported that over 60,000 agents had left the industry already. And that was April. And that was before the interest rate hikes and everything got crazy. I'm not sure what the number is now. Uh, NAR seems to be a little bit busy with uh, some things going on in the court <laughs> system you may have heard about. Yeah. <laughs> a little PR crisis of their own that I, I don't think they're handling as well as could be handled. But um, so a lot of these agents are going to be struggling, or they're already struggling, to be honest. Uh, and then you've also got investors who, you know, the strategies and tactics that they had for finding deal flow and disposition is drying up a bit. Um, so what I wanted to do was, was bring that education component, but also bring that deal flow component to the table. And we're taking the agents who maybe have properties that they've listed, but they can't sell for whatever reason, right? Maybe the buyers in that area just don't see the value in it, but it's something that you as an investor might see. And it makes perfect sense because you can see the numbers. You can see it as an investment opportunity, not a house that you're going to live in. So you might want that house, that property. And it gives them an opportunity to sell it, stay in the business, keep doing well. It gives you a property that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And so basically, it's bringing deal flow together for both sides, in addition to everything else that's going on from an education component, from a networking component, um, from some of the other opportunities. Um, and when I say other opportunities, um, case in point, uh, we talked earlier about uh, Nick, and uh, he's he's one of the members in REC as well. Um he got he got featured in Forbes this morning. Uh, well, it's not live yet. He was interviewed this morning. But that was a result of a conversation I had with a journalist over the weekend who needed a source for a particular story. Well, a couple of clients are going in that in that story, but also she needed a few more people. So I took a few members from my mastermind and put them into the story, right? So they're getting that benefit at no extra cost. It's just something that I'm doing that helps them. It helps the journalist. So, you know, that's kind of the big picture. That's cool, man. It's, it's really good. I, I've noticed you'd be just a master connector for everybody. And whenever we reach out and I need something, I immediately get two or three calls back immediately with somebody who can check that box or solve that problem, man. So I'm excited to see where it goes and excited to be part of it. And I'm also excited to read your book, man. So talk about everything that's coming out now. You have the Public Relations Manifesto. I'm excited to read it. But how did that come about? What is this the kind of stuff that goes on in the book, the, these types of topics? Yeah, absolutely. So the Public Relations Manifesto is essentially the, the distillation of the strategies and tactics that we use in my agency. And we're teaching everybody how to take those strategies and tactics and implement them in their own business. So we break down everything from the word go when you're, you know, even if you're somebody with no experience, you're not really that expert yet, um, kind of getting to that point all the way up through all aspects of this. So there's, you know, kind of taking control of your brand. There's your social media. There's what shows up in the search results. There's writing that pitch. There's building your list. Like all aspects of public relations are included in this book. Um, and basically it's 
think of it like a a complete A to Z guide on how to become a recognized authority in your industry. But I take it from a little bit different perspective because it's not just about, hey, let's go out and get featured and and you know build the biggest business and become the most successful person. It's also doing that in a way that brings value to everybody that you're interacting with. So um, yes, you absolutely want to get featured. You want to build that authority status. You want to leverage that to earn more opportunities, more income, all of that. But then if you take that and use it to also create more opportunities for your employees, for your clients, um, you know, support the journalists, like all of these things, I, I feel that that just creates this kind of symbiotic ecosystem where everybody wins and it's the classic rising tide lifts all ships kind of scenario. I love that, man. So people that are a looking to connect with you as far as the PR stuff and work with Spartan media, how does that come about? And then B, how do people follow or connect with you as far as the mastermind and updates of when they can get the book? Great question. Um, as far as finding me, uh, I'm relatively easy to find. Uh, if you Google my name, uh, I will come up everywhere. Uh, little side note, I no longer have a Facebook or Instagram account. Uh, the the powers that be in uh, their artificial intelligence uh, decided that I no longer needed an account. So uh, every, yeah, good times. But I mean, this, this is really just a thing that it kind of highlights one of the important things that I talk about when we, when we talk about PR or social media, and that is not to ever rely on any one platform. Um, and that's true, whether we're talking about a social media platform, like Facebook, which has become absolutely horrendous and useless, um, any other social media platform, but even any particular channel, right? So if we're talking about email marketing or talking about um, social media ads or you know Google ads, whatever, overly relying on one thing puts you in a really dangerous spot. So, uh, but if you Google me, you'll find me. I'm easy to find. Um, SpartanMedia.com will come up. JeremyNoff.com will come up. Uh, you can certainly contact me through any of those. Um, LinkedIn is an easy one. Um, okay, so that was how to find me. I lost track of what your other question was, though. Mastermind. How do we connect mastermind. them to Mastermind? Yeah. Okay, great question. Um, same, same deal there. Uh, just get in touch with me, and whether it be through the website. Uh, and the Mastermind website is um, recmastermind.com. Uh, so, yeah, feel free to look that up. Um, feel free to get in touch with me uh, via LinkedIn. Um, I, I I was debating whether or not we should drop my email in here or not, but uh, that'll probably open me up to a whole ton of spam. So let's yeah, not do that yeah, one. Yeah, let's stick, let's stick with the stick with the stuff that works. They can they can connect with you further through there. So definitely, so we yeah. can go to Spartan Mastermind there. I'm sorry for the uh, real estate CEO Mastermind. We got the Spartan Media, and then how do we connect on the book? Is that going to be part of? I'm, I assume we'll see it on LinkedIn and stuff, but is there a website for a yeah. book or somewhere we can pre-order? Um, there's not a website up for it. Uh, it is going to go up into pre-order here pretty soon. Uh, it's going live in December. So I'm going to get the pre-order set up here shortly, and then I'll make an announcement on LinkedIn for that. And then once that's ready to rock, uh, my plan is for that book to be live before Christmas. Uh, so it should be relatively easy to find it's on Amazon. Uh, in fact, if anybody goes and if you go to Amazon and search for my name, uh, you'll see two of my previous books there, but you can also follow me 
there. And I think Amazon will then notify you when, uh, when that book goes live. Um, and then of course, like I said, anybody can pre-order. And then of course, once it, once it publishes, then they'll automatically get it once they've pre-ordered. So I will include links for all of those, including the link to directly order the book right here in the show notes. So make sure you're connecting with those, connecting with Jeremy in all shapes and sizes and reaching out and following him. You, sir, bring your A-game to everything you do and everything you've done in life from wrestling to PR to being a Marine and to being an awesome businessman and connector. This podcast has been no differently. Definitely brought your A-game to this podcast today, sir. I appreciate you getting on and sharing some knowledge, even though I know you're feeling a little bit under the weather. I really enjoy the time. Any final thoughts before we let you go for the day? Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Um, and then as far as closing thoughts, let's let's close with uh, probably one of my favorite quotes of my own, and that is, failure catches the weak when they put today's comfort over tomorrow's goals. Boom. Mic drop right there. Thank you so much for coming on. Jeremy Knopf, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Fantastic.